You are now listening to the Demo Table Podcast. and gentlemen welcome back to the demote podcast i'm so glad to be back um sorry about that you know i missed a, a week or two uh, i tried to double up on my episodes um with the perfect accident parts one and two so that um i could keep stride because i had a lot of stuff to do midterms because i am a full-time student right now so midterms was coming up as well as um uh doing my website so i launched the demote website and i'll talk about that in a minute but today's show we're going to talk about inappropriate behavior in the black community uh i've seen a lot of things over the past couple weeks that make me think that this episode is appropriate so we're going to talk about that as well as lakers clippers uh i'm gonna talk to philadelphia eagles fans for a second because i know they need it after getting scrubbed by them cowboys (laughs) uh also i want to talk about china in the nba you know because i think that's a very interesting uh, situation and it's very appropriate to the topic of tonight's show. I mean, so of, of today of the show, I shouldn't say tonight's show of the show. But before we get started with the topics, I would like to invite you all to subscribe to the Demote Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to rate and review the show on iTunes. Leave me a five star rating if you feel so inclined. And remember, there's the Demo Tape voicemail hotline. You could call that. You could drop me a line about anything and everything that you want to. Remember that number is 850-270-8269. And with that, we're off. So first thing I want to talk about tonight is a Demo Tape podcast. So that's what I've been away doing when I haven't been releasing episodes. I've been trying to get my website launched. And it is launched. So you guys can go ahead to DemoTapePodcast.com. That's D E M O. T-A-P-E podcast.com um, I have all the list of all my episodes on there you can download the mp3 form of the episode or you can uh, you know click one of the links and it'll take you to iTunes or whatever but basically it's my podcast hub so everything and all things related to the Demotate podcast are going to be centralized on demotatepodcast.com it is my host so I'm pushing my website through that so I'm going to be plugging that a lot more but you, like I said, you can always subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else um, you get your podcasts. So, but I want everybody to hit up Demote Podcast, and I'm, I plan to grow from here. Um, so pretty soon, I'm going to start posting like reviews of albums that I like and listen to on a blog. So there's more to come with the DemotePodcast.com. The podcast is just the beginning. So go ahead and head over there right now and join my email list because I'm trying to build a listener base and, um, you know, See what the people want to hear and what they want to vibe with the topics that you guys want to talk about. And you can also comment, leave me like send me a message regarding any topic or anything from the demotapepodcast.com as well. So once again, like I said, I want that to be my hub. That is my hub. Head over to demotapepodcast.com. 
right now and check out what I have built already. All right. So, yeah, I also I want to talk about why I missed a couple of episodes. I saw, like I said, I tried to double up on the uh, episodes at the beginning of the month because I knew I had midterms coming up. Um, I was supposed to go to my brother's basic training graduation. I wasn't able to make that due to my midterms and, uh, and other things. Um, and like I said, I was working on the on the website. So all that stuff is passed now. I am back and I am ready to go. I appreciate everybody out there still rocking with me through this process as I'm growing and learning and trying to um, come up in the game. With that, Soto, I want to switch topics to the sports, to sports. Lakers and Clippers, NBA season is back. Lakers and Clippers tipped it off last night. And I didn't watch the game live. I recorded it and I got up early the next morning. And, well, this morning. And watched it. Excuse me. And the intensity of the game was coming through the TV, man. Like, before tip-off, like, I could feel the energy. I'm like, dang. Like, I was getting chills because I was like, yo, this is, about, this is really about to go down. And the game was really what I thought it was going to be, right? For the most part. Um, all... I want to temper my expectations. I want to temper everybody's expectations, and I don't want to rush to judgment. But we thought the Clippers would be the better team than the Lakers, and they were the better team than the Lakers. <laughs> I mean, um, aside from, I think, the third quarter when the Lakers really went on that run, when Danny Green really went on that run, the Clippers were the better team. Oh, and the first quarter, I'm sorry, the first quarter, too. Uh, the, the, Clippers, the Lakers kind of jumped out on the Clippers, but, you know, Steady wins the race, and the Clippers were the better team, and they stuck to their defense, Patrick Beverly and the boys, and they got it done, 102-112. A lot of takeaways I had, like I said, aside from the Clippers being the better team, I do think the Lakers are an unfinished project. They will definitely be better at the end of the season than they are now, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you know, because they're trying to work a lot of pieces together. So LeBron is actually trying to play point guard, which was interesting because the Lakers played really slow um, Wednesday night. Was it Wednesday night? Tuesday night. What's today? Today's Wednesday. Yeah, so Tuesday night. The Lakers played really slow. And I didn't expect that at all either. I was like, dang, it was, you know, I, I, I thought with Anthony Davis and LeBron, they'd be more up-tempo. LeBron was playing like a classic point guard, like feeding the ball into the post and letting Anthony Davis work. Uh, LeBron finished the game with like 18, 9 assists and 8 rebounds. Something like that, which isn't a bad stat line for a point guard, but it's interesting because it's LeBron James. Um, Danny Green, and, and, and another thing I thought about the Lakers too, while I'm talking about this game, is both teams weren't at um, full strength. So that's to be noted. And I do think, while I, I, I'm going to always maintain that I think early on that the Clippers are going to be the better team overall, I think when Rondo gets back, Kuzma gets back, and LeBron and these guys kind of figure out how to play with each other more. Um, the Lakers are going to be just fine. Would they beat the Clippers? I still don't think so. I think Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and are just going to be better, young, younger, better, better defensive defensive players, which is going to lead their team overall. The Clippers are the, are the deeper team as well, too. When the Lakers went to their bench, they really struggled. I think the stat that everybody was talking about was the 60-19 to 19 bench scoring. And then I just, I think for the Lakers, there's a lot of question marks still for a lot of guys like Quinn Cook. We've seen Quinn Cook have moments in the NBA, especially in last year's playoffs. And so I'm not knocking Quinn Cook. I'm not saying that he's definitely not a player. But what I mean, what I am saying is we need to see. We need to see what Kyle Kuz was going to do. If he's going to take that next step um, into, you know, consistent 20-point score, better defender, things of that nature. Uh, Rondo obviously is going to come back and change the 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 
you know, mindset of the team. And Anthony Davis, once again, he's still going to be the biggest question mark as well because it's one thing to play in New Orleans. It's another thing to be the guy on the Lakers, which last night he was the guy on the Lakers. Well, one of the guys. And also, I think Danny Green, um, even though he had 28 points last night, he had seven threes. It, the, a lot of the keys to Lakers' success is going to be found in his consistency or the consistency around like LeBron and AD, which is why I'm saying that there's still question marks to be had because Danny Green, just as he hit seven threes, he could come out and for like 12 games straight not hit a three or hit a, like one three out of however many attempts. So I think the Clippers have the more consistent players. I think the Clippers have the more foundationally, fundamentally sound players, meaning they'll play both. They have players that will go down on both ends and play both sides of the ball competitively. And I think and they have a better coach. As, at the point, I mean, I don't know if Jason Kidd's going to become the coach of the Lakers, but they have the better coach. So top down, the Clippers are just right now the more superior team. I think last night, while it was a was was you know a ten point win, um, I do anticipate that as the Lakers get healthier, it's going to get close. But overall, Clippers are going to take them because the Clippers didn't have Paul George yesterday. So imagine if they had Paul George to help them defensively on LeBron or on Danny Green, even. So you know. Just got some things to think about as we, you know, start this young NBA season. I watched a little bit of the uh, Sixers-Celtics game. I wasn't impressed. I mean, Ben Simmons still looks like Ben Simmons, even though I'm a fan and I'm waiting for him to blossom. He still wasn't shooting too many jumpers. Uh, The Celtics look like young guys, like a bunch of young guys who are stepping into the the role of the team for the first time for real, because like it's their show now. So I'm not worried about the the Celtics either. I mean, it's only one game, but we're going to see going on in the season. I'm excited the NBA is back. And, you know, this this Lakers Clippers thing is going to is going to make make the NBA season. So hopefully that everybody stays healthy. We have more to see as far as, you know, the Rockets and see what they do and all that still to come. But my takeaways are Lakers Clippers, you know, are simple. I think the Lakers are I mean, I think the the Clippers are the superior team overall. But I think the Lakers have room to grow, which is optimistic for Lakers fans. No need for Lakers fans to take this too seriously. And I don't think many of them would be because, like I said, this is just one game. So there's that. Moving on to the NFL. Eagles fans. I told you. I told you what was going to happen. I told y'all. I told y'all y'all going to lose to the Cowboys twice. I predicted this. And y'all lost to the Cowboys 37-10. Carson Wentz did not play well. Carson Wentz was 5-6 and six last year. Eagles fans. He is 3-4 and four this year. Eagles fans. And the Eagles are who they've been. For every year of their existence, except for the Super Bowl season, the Eagles are who they've been. Underachieving team that should be better than what they are. They think they're better than what they are. Their fans think that they're better than what they are. And here we are. Eagles are three and four. Cowboys four and three. Carson Wentz is not better than Dak Prescott. I know Carson Wentz might put up the more gaudy numbers, uh, but Carson Wentz is not the more solid quarterback. And I, I'm saying that as a guy who doesn't even like the Cowboys. But I do think that Carson Wentz is a quarterback who likes to who who has to a lot a lot similar to Dak Prescott similar to Dak Prescott a lot of things have to go right around um, Carson Wentz for him to play well and I think that's a that's an aspect of his game that people didn't want to admit early on and also I think it's not even it wasn't even fair to admit early on because he had his rookie year then he had his sophomore year where he kind of broke out and then he got hurt. And then his third year, he came back and he got hurt again. So, I mean, there really was no time to really had the two seasons. So you have his rookie year, you have his breakout year. So it's, you know, reasonable to assume that he was going to be a top 
quarterback. I just don't like putting quarterbacks in those top echelons or top tiers after a season or two or three. I think you begin to see what a quarterback's made of like five years in, man. Like you got, you start to see it develop over time because the quarterbacks, the way quarterbacks, uh, quarterbacks are like a product of the offense. So uh, you can't measure quarterbacks play solely in wins and losses or passing yards. But over time, you could measure a quarterback's impact. Over one season, you can't really measure a quarterback's impact because there's so many variables on the NFL team that, in my opinion, that it's hard to measure. I know the pro football focus, and they have stats for this thing, and, and that's good. I'm not knocking the stats, but what I'm saying is young quarterbacks, it's over. you have to get it over a period of time. We're trying to put guys in top five status and find the next Brady or Rodgers, and you're not going to do that in one or two or three years. That's basically what I'm trying to say. I know you can measure guys season to season ratings and they have analytics for that and i'm not you know trying to poo poo that but what i am trying to say is that even one season of a quarterback posting a high quarterback rating touchdown passes low interception ratio does not mean that he's going to be elite quarterback because the variables that led to that season success may not lead to the next season success that's all i'm trying to say and over t- over a longer sample size, I think you can determine how good a quarterback is versus a shorter sample size. If you look at examine, really objectively examine Carson Wentz sample size of quarterback play, you know, there's some blemishes in there. There's a lot of injuries in there. You know, there's a season where the Eagles stayed healthy. And just like with sports period, if guys stay healthy, teams are going to flourish. That's in basketball, too. I was, I was just saying that just a second ago. Barring that the Clippers and Lakers stay healthy, I do anticipate that they, they might in fact be the top two teams in the west but if they lose if they get hurt Kawhi gets hurt or LeBron gets hurt or AD gets hurt or Paul George you know he's out longer than just a month and they say he's going to be out that would that's going to change the nature of the season and by same thing for the for the um um uh NFL and and quarterback so for Carson Wentz I think we're seeing who Carson Wentz is he's a quarterback that Everything has to go right. Offensive line has to be 100% healthy. Running game has to be working. And then he can throw to guys and be be efficient as a quarterback. He looks down one receiver. I think you watch any sports talk radio show. I think that's wide knowledge now. He looks at Zach Ertz. And if Zach Ertz isn't there, then it's a scramble drill or it's a moving around the pocket to try to throw it deep. Like he doesn't have, he doesn't go through his progressions. And which is why people were stating that Nick Foles was ran the Eagles offense better because he read he did the proper reads. I was watching um Undisputed, a segment of Undisputed earlier this week and Shannon Sharp was breaking down how Carson Wentz missed a hot read. And I'm thinking like, dang, that's that is like quarterback like the way he was describing it, it made it seem like that's just quarterback one on one. Like you gotta know that. If this is happening, this happening, then you go there. And Carson Wentz isn't doing that. And this is year four. Like this is year four. And this is the these are the things I'm talking about. So for Eagles fans, you guys are what you guys were supposed to be, to be honest. I know you had your Super Bowl year, and that's real. I'm not knocking it. Every, I mean, you know, teams won Super Bowls. The Saints, the Saints have a Super Bowl, but they're still the Saints, and y'all are still the Eagles. And with that, I'm going to digress. So um, moving on to, I guess it's, it's sports, but it's not really sports because this is like politics kind of. So China and the NBA, I really want to talk about this. I know that it's been in the news a while and people may not be talking about it on the mainstream media, but here on my podcast, I do want to talk about it. Um, And I want to use it in relation to talk about some of the behaviors that we exhibit in the black community, myself included, and just examine these things. So um, China. So Daryl Morey tweeted out um, that he's standing with uh, the Hong Kong protesters and they're as they were protesting the Chinese government. And that sent off a ripple effect through the NBA, the salary cap. 
is is expected to drop. Numerous business ties between various players and teams have been cut. The Rockets' business ties to the the Chinese country itself has been severed. The NBA is on rocky road with China, and you know a lot of people don't know that about the history of Hong Kong. You know what I mean, and how and why that like why that tweet was even something that was happening in the first place. And the thing about Hong Kong is Hong Kong doesn't look at itself as a part of China. So the history of Hong Kong is it's obviously it is close to the mainland of China. It is an island, you would say, off the coast of China or close to China. But the point is, I don't even know, I said island. It's it's a province in China. But the thing is about Hong Kong, it is it is uh, historically it was colonized by the British and the British put in, um, you know, their European democracy. So the Hong Kong people, the citizens of Hong Kong don't see themselves they don't have the same political um, leanings as the Chinese. They don't have the same political system. They don't have the same currency. And like I said, in a lot of ways, they don't even see themselves as Chinese people, as on the mainland of China. So that leads to um, the Chinese government as as they were given sovereignty back. They were given. OK, so Hong Kong was a British colony until 1997 or a British territory until 1997, which it was given given back to the Chinese and the Chinese let the Hong Kong keep their same political system, keep their keep everything the same. But over time, they are trying to take that away. They're trying to make, uh, I guess you could say, democratic Hong Kong more like communist China, and that is what's causing the issue between the China, the Hong Kong people, and the protesters. Now, I don't. It's something called the Basic Law, and they're basically trying to, you know, do what governments do. They're trying to basically put their rule of law over in Hong Kong, which is basically has been an independent. You know, territory for majority of its history, apart from China, politically, as politically, and so you know that causes that causes a lot of issues. But what I do like about what the Chinese did, because I'm not here to debate, you know, human rights issues and stuff like that, because the United States has human rights issues. Every country has human rights human rights issues. Um, you have people that you're like we were. We I would just did two episodes about police brutality. And we just had another sister got shot by the cops. So, I mean, every country has the human rights issues. Um, but the thing that I did respect about the Chinese was how they basically were all on code. And that's one aspect of appropriate behavior. I said I was going to talk about inappropriate behavior. Well, inappropriate behavior, as described by Dr. Claude Anderson in his book, Powernomics, I think everybody should check that out if you haven't read it. It's about his book. It's just about ways that we can empower ourselves as black Americans. Um, He talks about impediments to empowerment and one of those impediments is inappropriate behavior and examples of inappropriate behavior are collusion with the competition notice he didn't say the enemy he said the competition because while we are all trying to make a way in our own way we are competing against each other for money and houses and you know food for our children or whatever if you have children or whatnot so it is. We do live in a compared society. We live in a competitive world. So collusion with the competition, avoiding blackness, white ice is colder, and social etiquette. Those are the four things that. Those are the four ways we exhibit inappropriate behavior as Black Americans in this country. Whereas um, examples of that of collusion with competition, one of the, one of the great ones that I like to use, and really it's not even that I like to use. We can we can use or can be used is in politics. How Black people when we get in politics, we always trying to form coalitions with other people, with Latino groups, with 
poor white groups. And I understand why we do this because on our level, we understand that we have something in common with these people and that we have a common fight, but that's not the reality. Every group doesn't see it that way. And people tend to get what they want politically and we get left holding the bag. So that's one way we do that. And we do, we collude with competition on a lot of different levels. Obviously avoiding blackness is self-explanatory. Um, white ISIS coder is the, is the, is, is like, we see that a lot in business where, Black customers don't like to patronize black businesses because, oh, the service is bad or it's too expensive. You know, we see that sort of thing happening over and over again. Like, I think I use the example of Tidal. Um, people think people, a lot of black people don't use Tidal because they think it's more expensive. They didn't date. And we live in a world of research. But, you know what I'm saying? People don't use it because they just think it's more expensive. And that tends to happen with black businesses. You tend to just go with the status quo rather than support the black company because you have a, a litany of reasons. But at the end of the day, you just think that the white product is better, you know, that, and that's what it comes to. That's why he says white ice is colder. And the last one that I'm that I'm talking about, which I tried to talk about as the example of the Chinese is social etiquette. Right. So the Chinese. Right. The, 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 the GM for the Houston Rockets tweeted out some solidarity to a segment of their population that is not behaving as they want them to. We're not try, I'm not here to discuss whether it is right or wrong. What the Chinese government is trying to do to the Hong Kong people and their right to protest the government. What I'm talking about is the concept of itself. Right. And so these people were not acting in the way that the Chinese government thought they should. So and, and the American business people. Right. Or one or, or a member of the entity that the Chinese companies and government are doing business with chose to side with those people as well. So they cut off business ties with them. There was no, there was no, um, justifying or, well, come on now, man, you mean human, right? There was no nothing. There was no quantifying. There was no explaining of any sort. It was pretty much the Chinese government say, look, no, because this is what we stand for. And this is what it's going to be. And one thing I do respect about the Chinese too, is they, they reinforce their history and they understand some of the things that they've been through as a nation. And some of the humiliations that they've suffered at the hands of the British and Japanese and, you know, other groups. And so they, they, are, they are on a mission to never repeat that again. Whereas we as black Americans, we try to run away from our history or trivialize our history or make it seem like our history happened so long ago. So that in effect, we aren't on code act like the Chinese are. The Chinese, the Chinese man, I, I, I sat back and I thought about that when that happened. And I was like, damn, you know, that's that's solidarity for better or for worse. Like I said, I'm not here to litigate whether... It's, it was proper for them to do such a thing or um, whether it's right or wrong. Like I said, if you want to be real, human rights issues exist in every country, in every form of government. In every form of government, there tends to be a imbalance of power. So whether you have a capitalistic society where you get the illusion that you have power and choice, but behind you, you got Jeff Bezos and different different types of billionaires controlling and puppeteering the media, paying for elections. Or you could have what you have in China where you have... Uh, the government basically telling you, like, hey, we the big dick on the block. So it's same difference, two sides of the same coin, if you ask me. You have people in power, you have people who want power, who are going to consolidate power and not share it. Regardless, like, you may feel better that it's a billionaire doing it and not the president of the United States, but at the end of the day, the consequences are the same. Um, and so, I mean, there's, there are fundamental differences between their country and ours, and I'm not trying to be ignorant to those facts, but at the end of the day, I'm talking about the power and the oppressive nature of power. Uh, and so... You know, I don't want to get too caught up on uh, whether or not what's happening in China is right or wrong. I just want to talk about the code 
and how Chinese people are on code. They understand their history. They understand what they've been through going back to the opium wars. They understand what happened to them in World War II and they vow to never happen again. And no matter what we go through as black people, whether it be the Holocaust or the slave trade, Jim Crow, mass incarceration, police brutality, we have yet to get on code. We exhibit inappropriate behavior time and time and time again. You look at both of Gene's family. His brother got killed. And I understand people got to grieve. And I'm not, I don't want to bash him too hard, but you have to because at the end of the day, these are the things that set precedent. And these are the, we're trying to stop a certain type of behavior. We're trying to stop the police from coming in to, or, or police when they interact with African-American individuals from treating us like we're hostile, treating us like we're criminal, treating us like we're always good, having an irrational fear of black people. That's what we're trying to stop. We're trying to stop the killing of black people and the brutality of black people. We cannot do that if we have people who sit on jury stands, talk about how they want to forgive and how they love the person. And how I want to be your friend That is not going to get the proper punishment That actually undermines what we're trying to do And what we've been trying to do for decades That is a form of collusion with the competition I mean if you want to be honest with you Me, I, I think that falls under the uh, umbrella of social etiquette I think that's a failure of social etiquette I think we have to understand that In your heart you can want to forgive this woman There's nothing wrong with wanting to forgive this woman There's nothing wrong with what not wanting to harbor that Dis, that disdain for the and that resentment that she, what she did to you for the rest of your life, I get all of that. But sometimes when things happen, especially when the media gets a hold of it and it's a public uh, issue, such as something as police brutality, you can't think just about yourself on that one. You have to think about everybody. You have to think about how this affects everybody. So we have that issue where his family is talking about how they want to be her best friend, how we should forgive and hugging her. The judge is hugging her. That sends a subliminal message to people in the country that like, see what I'm saying? See, cops aren't bad. Like no matter what a cop does, if you treat a cop with kid gloves, we're never going to get the, uh, the, 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 the behavior that we're trying to get out of the police force, which is really just respect and benefit of the doubt when in situations. How she entered his house and shot him and thought that she was in her house, I'll never know. But she claims that's what it was. So then when you don't exercise these things and you don't stay on code and the code is black empowerment. That's it. It ain't nothing, nothing crazy. It's just do things on a day to day basis that will empower you and yours and empower yourself. You know what I mean? And your kids or whatever. But I tell you what's never going to empower us is when our family members, our brothers, our sisters, our aunts or our uncles or whoever get shot by the police and we're standing there saying that we forgive them and we love them and we're hugging the officers. That's not going to help us ever, ever, because white America already believes in the inherent, you know, righteousness of the police. So you're basically reinforcing that when you are, you know, shaking in your boots to to uphold a, a, a guilty verdict. And that speaking of that, now Amber Geiger's defense team has decided that they didn't want to appeal the conviction for Botham John's murder and those character statements or those impact statements that his family gave are going to go a long way to either reducing her sentence or overturning her verdict and I want people to know that because these things have real consequences so like I said my takeaway from the whole Chinese NBA thing is the fact that the NBA that China decided look right wrong we may be right wrong or indifferent and the chinese companies have said you know we they what, what we do may be right wrong or different to how y'all do which y'all gonna respect how we do and if you don't respect how we do you won't get none of this chinese money 
And you see, you see how the NBA started quibbling and they didn't know what to do. LeBron James didn't know what to say, which I'm not even going to get on LeBron James about not knowing what to say because, you know, that's that's China. He's in America and he's got to ride for where he's where he's from. You know what I mean? So I don't want to get into people trying to criticize LeBron. Oh, he has so much to say when it's police and it's when it's this and when it's that. But when it's China, LeBron ain't, ain't no damn political ambassador. That's not what he's here to do. He speaks on issues and I respect him for that, that he's relatively familiar with. And being a black male in America, he's more familiar with the injustices that we endure in America than he is with what's going on in China. Yes, it may be the same thing and similar things, but, you know, and also, you know, he got money. He's trying to do business in China. So I'm not going to knock him because just like these white people that are criticizing him when it affects their bottom line, they switch up tactics and do all types of things, too. But at the end of the day, it was about the Chinese code. So what I want to do with this podcast, and I've said it time and time again, and I'm going to continue to try to do with this podcast, is reinforce black history on here. Because our history has to be told, and we have to put it in a perspective of present day things too. So that it doesn't feel so long ago. And, we, and it needs to be reinforced so that we know how to behave. We can carry ourselves with the respect and dignity that we should in this land. Because not only do we, or have we been here since before there was an America, you know, we were very... Uh, instrumental in the found, the building of America and we need to carry ourselves with the dignity of people who have helped build the nation not people who are you know ostracized alienated within the nation because you know we're like I said I told my girlfriend this and I'm gonna say this before I get up out of here black people we're just as American as apple pie real talk <laughs> so thank everybody for listening to this edition of the demo tape podcast I will release this podcast every Thursday on demotapepodcast.com from there, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or wherever else you get podcasts. Uh, if you want to write me a comment or anything based on what you've heard here on the show, you can go to demotapepodcast.com, write me one, or you could call into the Demotape voicemail. That's 850-270-8269. Until next week, y'all. Peace. <laughs>